My name is Andrew. We are in Romans 8. We're doing three verses this morning. That's verses 5 through 8. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible, either under your chair or the chair next to you. You can use that. If so, that's page 550. And that blue Bible is yours to take home if you didn't bring a Bible with you. So Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Redemption North Mountain. How are you guys doing today? Great. Well, I'm glad to be here. My name is Xavier. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to preach this passage for all of us today. If this is your first time here, I just want to say I'm so glad you're here. I would love if you just came and said hi to me. I would love to introduce myself to you and just be able to meet you. And if you've been here for a little bit, for a long time, it's been a pleasure and a blessing of mine to be able to be one of your pastors here. And just as time's been going on, we've been getting to know each other a little more, we've been getting to know you guys, you guys have been getting to know me. And I want to let you know a little more about me today by showing you what I used to look like when I was in college. So that's what I used to look like. That's my index finger, by the way, just want to be clear. Um, I... So here's, here's one more picture. This is me when I was backpacking trip. And so that's not a wig. I didn't carry a wig with me everywhere. Uh, when I was in college, I grew out my hair for two years, and it was pretty intense. Uh, so I, I look back at this, and honestly, I, I laugh as well. <laughs> Part of it is because in some ways, it doesn't even look like me. And... It does in some ways. Sometimes in some ways it does. And I think about that person, that Xavier, and I go, that's a very different Xavier than, right? Like, one, I wouldn't be on a backpacking trip right now. I hate bugs, and that, everything about this is kind of <laughs> disgusting to me. And so just over time, I've just changed a lot. And I think about all of us. Like, just think about yourself 10 years ago. And... The clothes you used to wear 10 years ago, like 2013, the hair you had, your style, the people you spent time with, the TV shows or movies. Remember, we were going to Redbox in 2013. Like, <laughs> our lives were different, but we were different in 2013. Yeah. The point being, we're all becoming someone. Like, just as time goes on, we are all being shaped and formed into some type of person. And for us, I think the question is, and what we should reflect on in our lives, is are we becoming more like Christ? Are we becoming people filled with love towards God and towards others? Or are we being formed in the opposite direction? And as we go into the passage today, this is a little bit of what I want to talk about. is how we are being shaped in our lives. This passage talks a little bit about that, and we will zoom in on three things in this passage. The flesh, the spirit, and the mind. And kind of our big idea for today is this. Where we set our minds, our lives will follow. 
Where we set our minds, our lives will follow. So let's just pray, and then we'll jump into the passage and see uh, how Paul communicates us or to us in Romans 8. So let's just pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. One thing that I'm just grateful for is wherever we were 10 years ago, um, God, over the last 10 years, you have been working behind the scenes in our lives. We just pray that you would continue to do so. Would you even work right now as we go to your word? And would you continue to lead us closer towards you? So we love you so much. Amen. So let's just read that passage one more time, Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. One way of kind of reading that is for those who live according to the flesh, they are the ones that set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So last week, uh, Josh preached to us about there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. We'll talk about that for a moment. And this passage is a little different than the passage from last week. I think of it in this way. My favorite sport in high school was track, and my favorite subject was math. Uh, part of the reason was I played basketball and football as well, but I played RB in both of them. So not running back, it was right bench on both basketball <laughs> and football. But in track, I actually got to participate in some ways. Uh, part of the reason is like basketball and football, you kind of have to prove yourself to the coach, prove yourself to other teammates. There's a lot of politics and things like that. Track, whoever has the fastest time has the fastest time. There's no arguing that. Like, if your time is the fastest, you're going to be the one that's running. Same thing for math. Like, I would write papers in English. and be like, this is the best paper I've ever written in my life. You turn it in, and I get, like, a C. And I'm like, wait, what? And the teacher didn't really like the way I wrote it, whatever it is. And honestly, I'm not the best writer in the world. So, but for math, it was right or wrong. Like, if you didn't do well on the test, it's because you did it the wrong way. Like, there's only one right answer. So when I think about this passage, this passage is kind of like a math passage. Like, he's just talking about reality. Like, this is the way it is. If last week Paul is proclaiming and declaring things, he's saying, there's no condemnation for you. This one is kind of like, this is just an equation. This is reality. Those who do this, this is going to be the result. Those who do this, this is going to be the result. So let's just look at some of the key words of the text and see how Paul is breaking this apart. First, one key word here to notice is the word those. So Paul doesn't say you or me or us or we. He says those. Like this is just general. Those, the people that do this, this is going to be the result. So he's kind of generalizing these things before he gets back to talking about you and us and we. The second word to notice is the word for. So in four verses, actually in three of the verses, he uses the word for four times. He wants us to notice that he's emphasizing something. So he's talking about the flesh, and he's just further emphasizing the realities of the flesh. The last word just to notice here is the word but. So that is a contrast word. So he's emphasizing the things of the flesh. He's contrasting it with something, saying, here are the things of the flesh. Here are the things of the spirit. And with the word those, he's saying this is a general reality for all of us. So Paul is elaborating on some specifics of what he calls the flesh and the results of the flesh. 
in opposition to that, the Spirit and the results of the Spirit, and how this is a reality. No matter where we are with Jesus, where we are in our lives, this is a reality for all of us. So let's just dive into the content and see what it is that he is trying to say. So a good way of breaking this apart is breaking apart the passages that are focused on the flesh and the passages that are focused on the spirit. So here's just the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh, that their minds are the things of the flesh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It can't. Those in the flesh can't please God. So the word that Paul uses here for flesh can mean a few different things. It's kind of like the word ball, like a basketball or let's go to the ball, even though no one ever says that. So (laughs) this can mean a few different things. And what he means by this isn't, so one, it can mean kind of like our little like bodies, but this means something different. One commentary says, it's the whole of our humanists viewed as corrupt and unredeemed, our fallen egocentric human nature, or just briefly, the sin-dominated self. Like this is just part of us being born in a fallen world as we have the flesh. And how this plays out in scripture is this. Paul elaborates on this a little more in Galatians 5, and he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And even as we read this list, there are some of these things that maybe we go, I don't really struggle with that. But for all of us, there's things on this list that we could find that we are still wrestling with, even as simple as jealousy or selfish ambition. Like there's just things in all of us, wherever you are on this list, that we are wrestling with in our lives. And he describes this as the flesh. And it starts off for all of us. So the summary of it is this. The sin-dominated self is focused mostly on the desires that are egocentric, self-pleasuring, and self gratifying. For all of us, this kind of starts off from when we were kids. Like, I remember I'm watching my little brother years ago. He was six at the time. So I have four little brothers, and I would go over and babysit them. The six-year-old was known at that time for not finishing his food. So I told him, if you want to have dessert, you need to finish your food. And I caught him in a lie. Like, you know when you catch a kid in a lie, they have like chocolate on their face. Like, did you eat chocolate? They're like, no. I'm like, we both know that you did. So He takes his food, he doesn't finish it, and he throws it away. Ten minutes goes by, and I see him with the ice cream pop. Did you finish your food? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What? Didn't you throw away your food? I don't remember. I'm going to go check in the trash right now. No, 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 I'll check in the trash for you. I'm like, we both know you didn't finish your food. So it's funny in these moments, like these little kids just lie, like we've all, I, little kids lie for some reason. And my brother, no one sat down with him and said, so if you're in a situation where you're not going to get your way, this is how you lie to get yourself out of it. No one taught him that. It was just in him. Like this desire to get his own way. And for all of us, from when we were kids, this is a reality. And as we grow older, that list 
of things of the flesh continue to grow in our lives. They come more and more to life in us. Every one of us has a list of sins that we've done that the flesh has led us into. Every one of us. And it looks unique for us, but the flesh is present. The point here is the flesh is part of all of us. This natural tendency to want to sprint after sinful desires and gratify self is in us. So let's just take a break on the flesh for a second and just go to the mind, what maybe he's referring to here, so that we can see how they correlate. One commentary says it this way, to set your mind is to make these things the absorbing objects of thought, interest, affection, and purpose. Like the mind is what preoccupies our attention, the ambitions and passions that drive us, the things in our life that concern us most, and what we concentrate and focus our intentions, our energies, our motives, what we give our lives up to is kind of what the mind is. So for us, when we think about how those correlate, what it says is the mind so the intentions, the purposes, the thoughts, all of these things, what we give ourselves up to, when those things are set on the flesh, it will lead us somewhere. So here's kind of back to the math equation for us. To set your mind on the things of the flesh will lead you to live according to the flesh. So just a quick comment. This could go both ways. So to set your mind on the, on the things of the flesh, you live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll set your mind on the things of the flesh. But for the sake of the passage, it seems that this is the direction that the passage is focusing on. Set your mind to the things of the flesh, you will live according to the flesh. And if you do those things, it will lead to a certain result. And what does it say the result is? It says it will lead to death, spiritual death, hostility towards God, a lack of ability to submit to God's law, and an inability to please God. A mind set on what the sinful nature desires gives place to all of those things that we considered the flesh. And this could be a long-term thing for us. It could even be a momentary thing for us. But this is the reality. Set your mind on the things of the flesh. We'll live according to the flesh. And these are the results. So for us listening so far, if you were here last week, you're like, this sounds a lot different than there's no condemnation for those in Jesus. So let me just make two quick comments for us. If you're here and you are still trying to figure out what it is that you believe about Jesus, and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know how I feel about all these things, one thing I just want to say to you is, what Paul wants to show you is, look back just a few verses. When we're in the flesh, this is the result. But Paul wants you to recognize, if you are willing to give yourself to Jesus, there is no condemnation for you, but there is life and peace. This is what Paul wants us to recognize. Not only that, but if you're still trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus, Paul wants you just to take a self-analysis. The things that you set your mind and your life on, where are they leading you? Like, are they leading to everything you expected? Is it life and peace? Or, or is it the, the things of the flesh? For all of you here that do believe in Jesus, you've given your life to Christ, maybe you're thinking to yourself, am I in the flesh? Like, I'm still struggling with a lot of sins. Like, there's things in my life right now that some people around me don't even know about, and I'm still struggling, but I've given my life to Jesus. 
And what I want you to know is this. This is a reality for everyone. Even if we believe in Jesus, the flesh is something that we wrestle with. But you are not in the flesh if you're in Jesus. Even next week, literally the verse, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. That's what next week is all about. So for you, have confidence in Christ that there is no condemnation in him. And at the same time, know that God wants to shape you and lead you more towards a life that is fulfilled and a life filled with peace in Jesus. So for all of us, we're wrestling with these things. Just back to the beginning analogy, who are we becoming? This is just a slow process. Like this is going to take a lifetime for all of us. We will not get rid of the flesh fully until Jesus returns. So for all of us, what we must do, and this is what Paul is saying, wherever we're at with Jesus, he says, if you want to fight the flesh, the solution is not to look more in ourselves, but to actually look and focus and set our minds on the things of the Spirit. That is the only way that we will be able to fight the flesh. It's only by the power and the presence of the Spirit that we gain freedom from the flesh and are led unto life and peace. So let's just read the passages that are focused on the flesh. It says, but those who live according to the Spirit, oh, sorry, the Spirit, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Something that I think that all of us desire, life and peace. So the word that Paul uses here is not our inner human spirit, which is actually a word he uses later on in the same chapter. But the word he uses here is spirit, capital S, which is the Holy Spirit, the third person of God who is working in our lives when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So I just want to say it in this way. Um, when I got married, my wife was not a bridezilla, but I was a groomzilla. <laughs> like the whole wedding day, I'm like, is everything in the right place? Where are the chairs? Are they in the right place? Are, are you dressed? Does my wi- wife have her makeup on yet? Oh like, is my hair good? Is my clothes good? Are, we all, are you ready? Is everyone ready? So I'm, I'm freaking out the whole wedding. And just to tell you the difference between me and my wife on our wedding day, we're like standing there at one point. She whispers to me, she's like, by the way, we don't have a cake. Where's the cake? Well, the cake lady dropped it. Wait, what? Like, I'm, I'm freaking out. She's chill. And the only thing that stopped me from focusing on a million things during our wedding day was the moment I'm standing in front of everyone and my wife walks out. Like when she walks out, and I'm zoomed in on her and she's just walking towards me. The closer she gets and the more, the closer I get to embracing her, all these things in the wedding just begin to disappear. They don't really matter anymore. I just, I get to be with her. I think this is the same reality for us setting our minds on the spirit. Like the only way for the things of the flesh just to begin to disappear is when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we focus our eyes on the spirit who reveals to us Christ and his work in us as we set our eyes more on God and his glory and his goodness, that is the only way that these things that are conquering in our life will actually begin to be relieved in us. So what Paul wants us to see is that we must put all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our mind on the things of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit or the things of the Spirit is simply said in this way. 
The Spirit takes the veil off of our eyes to see the truth of Jesus, and he forms Jesus in us. He does this through many different ways, but he convicts us of sin or things in our life. He counsels us. He comforts us. He corrects us. He intercedes for us, and he grows his fruit in us, which are love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that he does. And then he crucifies the flesh in us and grows his passions and his desires instead of the passions and desires of the flesh. And what we see is we see the equation come up again. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit and you will live according to the Spirit. And the result are these things. Life, everlasting life. Whenever we read the Bible, we always see eternal life. We think we're living forever. And what it means is fulfilled life. Like eternal life starts now. Like being completely filled by God. And the other thing is peace. This isn't like Buddhist, New Age, yoga peace. This is peace with God. The Bible says before we know Jesus, we're like enemies with God. When we're in Jesus, we focus on the things of spirit, we realize we don't need to prove ourselves to God anymore. Like that struggle in your life, we're like, are we good? All of that just, no, we're, God's taking care of those things. We're at peace with God. We grow at peace with others. We grow in peace with God and peace with others. And as those things happen, we actually grow in a deep contentment and peace within ourselves. With that being said, I, I don't want you to think that you're going to go home today and be like, all right, I'm going to focus my, life, my things on spirit. I'm watching God's Not Dead 2 today. And then I'm going to be filled with peace and filled with life for the, like, this is just going to be a slow journey for all of us. Sometimes God intercedes in a miraculous way and we are just overwhelmed with peace. But for many of us, when we focus our life on the things of the Spirit, God slowly but surely just chips away at things in our life and slowly fills us with these things, which goes back once again just to that beginning analogy just taking that analysis of who was I a year ago versus today? Like, is my mind more on the things of the Spirit now than a year ago? Because if so, then God is actually forming Jesus in me. So the hard part about all of this is it could feel a little intimidating. To set your mind on the Spirit can mean a million things. So the question is, how is it that we actually set our minds on the Spirit. So I want to get a little more practical here for us. I think currently, just in our culture and just in our time, uh, for us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit is a call to intentionality of the ideas that we believe and the images that we behold. I'll explain what both of those mean first just with the ideas that we believe. So we all have an idea system, which is kind of the way we think about and interpret reality and truth. So uh, one quote, Dallas Willard says this, that the ideas in our life, they determine the orientation of everything we do and evoke the feelings that frame our world and motivate our actions. Like a funny way of saying this is when I was six years old, um, I just remember every adult in my life, whether it was on television or in real life, when they would like stub their toe or they would get angry, they would cuss. So at six years old, I figured in my mind, when you're angry or when you're hurt, you cuss. 
So my mom would send me a timeout. I'd go in the room myself, and I would start going crazy in the room. Because I thought that was what you did. Like, the idea in my mind, uh, when you're angry, when you're hurt, you, you cuss. For all of us, we, we have ideas that kind of just frame our mind, and that's what leads us to our actions. Those actions actually shape who we are, and they shape who we're becoming. So just think to yourself just for a moment. Just think about the ideas that we have, that we hold to be true, about freedom, about politics, about sexuality, about technology, about success, about finances, education, church, family, the ideas that we believe to be true about all these things in our life, they shape what we do and how we live out our life and shape who we are becoming. The problem in our current time is that uh, many of us have ideas in our life, including me, by the way. So this isn't just a call. This, this is all of us, I think, in ways. We have ideas in our life that are false, that are leading us towards opposition to God's truth. The, the problem is it kind of shows up in two different sides. One, some of us treat every idea that we hear as truth. Like there's just ideas coming from every angle and we're like, yeah, that could be true, this could be true, this could, and we kind of hold all those things as truth. On the other side of that, some of us are kind of just stuck in certain false ideas and we never sway from them. And we hold on and we go, this is true no matter what. Uh, for that first one, the, the problem is when everything is true, nothing is true. We have to be willing to actually tailor what we believe to hold on to truth. On the other side, when we're holding on to false ideas with everything and saying, I'm not going to give this up, sometimes just, as, just because that's the first idea that we heard or it feels right in some way, and for us, the problem is we need to be willing to kind of let go of those things in our life. The solution for us is to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. God is a God of truth. Because God holds ultimate and objective truth, we must be willing to submit our ideas to God. Being able to say, your ideas actually reign over my ideas, even when we disagree. I think about a friend of mine, uh, me and him and many people here grew up in a home where our parents didn't believe in Jesus. And for him, they sat him down, they taught him things over the years that he just believed to be true. So I, he kind of sent me just three of them. Here are three things that I just told him. They said, this is truth. This is how you should live out your life. They said, one, you are completely in charge of the outcome of your life. They said, two, what matters is that you had good intentions. Another idea they sat down and told him, they said, it's not realistic to sleep with one person. Sleep around to figure out what you like. Like his parents just sat him down and said these things to him. So when he got older and came to know Jesus, a really difficult thing to do for him, which he did, was to say, oh, mm -hmm. these ideas don't align with what God is communicating through his word. And it was tough, but he said, I'm going to take these ideas that I think are true, say, your truth reigns over my truth. So instead of him thinking he's completely in charge of the outcome of his life, he understands that there is actually a God that is in charge of the entire world. Instead of just thinking what matters are my intentions, he understands intentions, good or not, sin is sin. And to be obedient to God is to be obedient to God. 
For it not to be realistic to sleep with one person, he figured, no, I'm going to marry this woman and I'm going to only dedicate my sexual life to her. Like for him, he had to submit these things. And for all of us, we have ideas in our life that are not true. It's okay to, and I just want to be clear, it's okay to disagree with God as long as we're willing to say, he's right. I don't agree with you, God, but I trust you. I know that what you say is true. So for us, primarily the things that we need to submit to God, the ideas in our life, are mostly the ideas that we believe about who God is, who we are, and what the good life is. Mostly out of those, though, is just who God is. When we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, we have to understand what we believe about God, what we believe to be true about God, will lead to everything else in our lives. And for us, this is just simple, but like, this is why, like, Josh doesn't sit back each week when he's preaching and say, what's like a really good idea to preach this week? Every week we're preaching from God's word because this is what we hold as authority. God revealing himself through the person of Jesus, and we understand those revelations because of the written word that never changes. So for us, we must go to God's word constantly and trusting his ideas revealed through his word and submitting our ideas to his. Now let me just end with this last thing, images that we behold. So the images that we behold. So all the ideas that we believe to be true or not true, they take form in many images and end up communicating themselves in that way. So think about our images of freedom or politics, all those things that we listed. They actually have images that are associated with them. And those images mark us. Like, for us, one way to think about it is just commercials or things that we're watching constantly. I think that I at least make fun of, like, I can't believe they spend millions of dollars for commercials for the Super Bowl. But they know what they're doing. Like, just do me a favor. Could you just finish this for me? Like a good neighbor. No one told you to memorize that. Like, <laughs> no. But it just, it marks us. They understand that. So for us, we have to understand we are more influenced than we think we are. So the things that we're constantly taking in are actually shaping us and marking us. One more quote from Dallas Willard just says this, for nothing enters the mind without having an effect for good or for evil. The images in our culture often take form as well in stories. And the stories that we take in shape what we believe to be true, which in turn shapes how we act and who we become. So for us, what we have to do in our life is to be willing to curate the things in our life. This is the reason. Stories are coming at us at a pace that's faster than ever. So stories have kind of always been part of our world, but they've taken different shape. Way, 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 way back in the day, people would stand and they would say stories out loud for people to hear. Then it kind of took the form of written stories, then plays, then motion pictures, and VHS, and DVD, and Blu-ray for that one year, and, and then streaming. The biggest difference is the amount, right now, of stories that we can consume at any given moment. So just think about Netflix, YouTube, NPR, Fox, New York Times, Instagram, Amazon, Prime, Spotify, podcasts, and Josh's favorite app, Twitter, all, all have stories that we can watch, listen to, read, and they're all coming at us really fast. 
And literally, because of the algorithms on our technology, if we don't curate these stories ourselves, these stories will curate for us, and they'll even curate what we end up believing. Right. And they'll have a deep effect on how we view God, view ourselves, and even view the good life. So for us, what's the solution? The solution is to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. How do we do this in this regard? Once again, I'm not saying go home and all you can watch is VeggieTales, The Chosen, and God's not dead. Like, for us, what we have to do is we need to confess that we're influenced by these images, and then we need to be intentional about curating what we let shape us. So how do we do this? Simply said, we give ourselves limits and rules around what we take in. So let me just give you some examples of things that people have either told me, things I've read, or things that I've applied to my own life. So some limits of rules are, one, limiting the time that we actually allow ourselves to take things in. So saying, I have four, five, six hours this week for movies and shows and, and social media, all these things. The point is, when you set a limit, it forces you to curate what it is that you're watching and listening to. Another example is place. Like if you're here and you struggle with temptation about what it is that you watch, then you change the, you go, I only watch things in public. And then you go, I'm forced to watch certain things because I know people are around me. Another example is no social media an hour before bed or an hour after you wake up. Like this is the most like vulnerable time for our brain. And we just say, we're going to put those things down just to give our brain a detox before we go to bed when we wake up. Not allowing ourselves to watch movies and TV shows with graphic nudity and sex scenes because we know that it shapes us and the way we interact with other people. Allowing ourselves to turn things off that if you notice the message is teaching you false ideas. I have a, real, I have a show that I love so much and I've been watching it and we just go, oh, this show is just taking a turn. I think we should maybe watch something different. Or when we hear news, we read long-form long articles instead of short-form articles and always reading both sides just to allow ourselves to have a healthy view of the world and news. Like, the point here is this, not for you to go home and take all these things, but just to say, okay, what's a limit I could start with? If I were you and I were to start with any of them, I would just start with the time. Like, I would this week not put a time limit, but just to calculate how much time you're spending on all these different things, just to give yourself a, okay, this is how much time I'm taking in. Let me set a good limit so that I can curate the things that I watch. The point is, we must limit ourselves, build rules that protect us from being unintentionally formed by all the media, images, and stories around us. So let me just conclude with this last thought before I pray. Where we set our minds, our lives will follow. So as this time ends, I don't want you to leave here thinking of just the list of things to do. I share all those things just to help you have some practical tools. But I just want to say a few reminders. One, if you are here and you've given your life to Jesus, you are free from condemnation in him. Like, just remember last week and go out with that truth. If you're here and you're still trying to figure out what it is you believe about Jesus, I want you to know, Freedom from the flesh doesn't come from trying harder or focusing more on yourself, but only through giving your life to Jesus. And there is room at the table. I want you just to know that's where freedom comes. And here's my last thought. No matter where you are, walking with Jesus, still trying to figure out what you believe, if you're hoping that your life grows in fulfillment and peace, set your eyes on the things of the Spirit. Jesus and him being formed in you.
and slowly but surely, God will continue to give you life and peace. With that being said, let me just pray for all of us as we continue our time together. So Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your care and your love for us. We thank you for the ways that you're constantly working in our lives. Our prayer is that you would guide us and lead us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. God, would you free us from anything that we feel like is still holding us in the flesh? And would you lead us to fulfilled life and peace? We love you so much. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, X. Uh, We get to respond now. Um, And I just want to encourage you. I don't know if you thought this way, but coming to church, uh, you know, that's one of the things people use as like a religious checklist. And I, from time to time, I've mocked it as that doesn't mean you're a Christian. However, it is a good part of what X is talking about as far as setting your minds on Christ. Coming as a community, confessing your need for Jesus. So I just want to commend you that this right here is us setting our minds on the things of the Spirit so that we would have more life and more peace. And the Apostle Paul talks about what we're about to do. He's talking to a church in Corinth that has lots of issues, just like we do. Um, And this is what he says this moment's for. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks. He broke it, and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in this moment, we get to set our minds on Jesus and specifically his death as we await the day when he comes and returns and we no longer have to work to set our minds on him who we will see in the flesh. So this is a good thing. This is a holy thing. This is a sacred thing. We're not doing this perfectly. We're all imperfect sinners coming to this table together to remember Jesus. If you're not yet a Christian, if you're figuring this out, as Xavier told you, this is good. What he just gave you is reality. How God wants us to see that there is two ways to live. Setting your mind on the flesh, which brings death, and setting your minds on the spirit, which brings life. And that does not mean you've got to make a decision right now. It means you've got more words from the Lord to encourage you that he really is good and worthy to be followed. But I was 19, 18 when I first followed Jesus. Some of you were older than me. This is a journey for all of us. If you have not decided to follow Jesus yet, here's what I'd encourage. And as long as you're as part of our church, just let the elements pass that are about to be passed out. And just sit as an honest confession from your heart of where you're at with the person of Jesus Christ. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. But I don't want to give my life yet. And that's fine. Just be honest with yourself. So here's what I encourage. Just let those elements pass as we all take the Lord's Supper. And then you can participate in the singing and the prayers. You can come be prayed for by Xavier and myself for the prayer team. So this is a moment to set our minds together on Jesus and specifically his death until he returns. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper now. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. We're going to wrap up together. So the ushers are going to pass out the elements. 
If Jesus is your treasure, take him and set your minds on him one more time this morning.